excited about today's conversation. It's with Jamil Matt, or as I'll be calling him, Jammer. He is an English Football League player and plays for Forest Green. He used to play for Newport County, and that's how we met through the work that we do at County. And he said that he was taking us wherever he went. So I'm really excited to present this conversation. Like County, who very who are very community to another very community to place. I, I always feel that County doesn't just try and get the player to come along. Like it's it's a bit more about the whole the whole rather than just. You know, you're a player, you're you're a cog in a machine, you're actually a person. Now I could be completely wrong because yeah. I'm seeing it from the outside. <laughs> but no, no, that's that is probably what it is. Is um I said you come in and you kind of that's that takes that's taken into you and by the first when you meet people around the club and I think even I've always said it when you walk around the town of the city, um it's one of the places where you actually just see people wearing county shirts rather than wearing um, for example, like a Cardiff shirt or a Swansea shirt or a United shirt or a bigger. Do you know what I mean? That's that's mm-hmm. one that that's one of the first things I noticed when obviously I signed the years back, a couple of years back. Um, but yeah, it's it, and and you do tend to find everyone around the city supports the club and, and vice versa. So um, yeah, it's, that's I think that is quite a unique part of of the club. And um, I think yeah, similarly like I said Forest Green because of it is from like Stroud is such a small place. Um, I think you find they try to use that, use the club being at the heart of the community um, as a selling point as well. Um, yeah. And I think I think the chairman is quite good in terms of the way he markets that. Um, like I said, obviously allied with the with the with the veganism. So um, that's yeah, pretty it's, cool. Yeah, it's so it was every player got to be a vegan. And, no, you don't have to be a vegan, but obviously at the we're only served specifically vegan food um so anything from the club and anything that the chairman himself purchases will be vegan um so i think obviously you just just need to be aware of that as a player but like i said i'm not it's something i've i'm not gonna say i'm vegan i've don't eat as much meat as i used to um so it's quite not a, a nice insight into different meals and different things um different meal choices you can have i suppose in terms of in terms of on the vegan side that's pretty cool now you were described to me when I first started working with the club that you were one of the players with a brain. <laughs> ah, one of the anomalies. Some t- I'm not saying that many of the other boys aren't, but there yeah. aren't many footballers with with degrees. Well, see, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of argue this one Am now. Uh, no, go for it. No, not that not that you're wrong. It's um I think it's evolving a lot more than people um recognise, I think. My path, obviously, I came from kind of non-league, um, and then got the chance to go into professional football. So I was I was already doing kind of playing part time while studying, and then the chance came up in my last year to then go full time. And um, the club I was at Kidderminster at the time um, allowed me to finish my degree while still playing. Um, so it kind of worked. It worked out quite well for me because I then finished playing, finished my degree, sorry, um, and then was able to go straight full time, which was kind of. Fin- complete into uh, well two accomplishments I'll tell you straight in a in a small period of time um so that worked out quite well for me but I, I found um especially well mainly at my first club my first football league club should I say to be honest Fleetwood um at the time there were quite a few players that started to undertake degrees um and like I said I'd already done mine but there's a few that I've come across that started to undertake and I think the more the more time goes on now, I find more and more players are a bit more switched on and are, That's good. they're, um, yeah, they're realising that 
listen, it's good to have, because I don't like to say it's a plan B. I like to say another option um, because football isn't, I don't think you should put football as your be all, be all and end all because I think some... What a short shelf life, isn't it? Exactly. And I think there has been studies that show that um, players that tend to study alongside their football tend, then end up um, performing better on the pitch. So it's good to kind of have that distraction, I think. Because sometimes you can, and I've done it, I've done it in the past, I'm guilty in the past, where you have a, you have a bad game um, personally, or you think you've had a bad game personally, or the team's had a bad performance, but um, had a bad performance, and you can come home and focus so much on that's that that that's happened. Um, so I think sometimes it's good to have that little bit of switch off, and sometimes studying can be the perfect um, formula for that to to be able to switch off and focus on something else. Um, so when you're there playing, you're focused just on playing, and then as it's finished, maybe you take your mind off it for a bit to 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 be able to deal with things. How is it being a footballer nowadays with social media and things? Because yeah. in your career, it would have been less, and now it's got more. If that, that's yeah. literally the most basic way I could have said it. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's developed. Does and I'm sure that although you are very much the county hero um, and you're unbelievably on fire, you I know that you had, I want to say, a bad knee injury. It was a knee injury, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And how, how does social media affect, and as well you see it with the rest of the guys, if, if you feel you've had a bad game, or I'll rephrase that, if some fans think you've had a bad game or if fan, some fans have decided that they don't like you because let's be honest I've I've been sat in football stands and watched the same matches like everybody else and one person will go he was rubbish and like the rest of us will turn around and be like what <laughs> you know what how yeah. is that now as a footballer because it's less you're less able to switch off from yeah. that because you're quite active on Social media, so I'm going to have a drink as well. I'm always professional. <laughs> no worries. Um, I think you've hit you've hit the nail on the head there in terms of saying one fan might turn around and say this, say this person's rubbish, this person's whatever. Um, and that, I think, is the biggest way I deal with it is that it is a game of opinions. Um, I tend, like, I am quite active on social media um, because my belief is sometimes it's good to be able to connect with fans, but also it's good to be able to... Um, Listen, it is a short career. So in terms of if you want to be able to sometimes do something outside of football, it's good to be able to connect with people while you're still playing because um, you do have this sometimes a, a network of people on at, at your fingertips while you're playing. Um, so that's that's kind of my way of the reason I, I'm so active. Uh, but also I think it's good to connect to fans because sometimes they might see someone a certain way, but they don't actually realise what you're actually like. Um, so that's my, that's another reason why I connect. Um, but then the other side of it is, um, like you said, there will be the negative negative messages and negative things that people do. From my point of view, you can't control that. Um, everyone's going to have their opinion, um, and I tend to not really, I don't read too much in terms of press or like I'll be on Twitter, I'll be on my Instagram or whatever, but I won't read too much um, negative stuff or. You might be able to say someone's made a comment, you click on it and there's more comments underneath. That's, I'll, I'll be honest, in the past, I might have done that when I was a little bit younger because you, you do, 
maybe play a game if you scored a goal whatever you click on something because you want to see the hype and you want to it does give you that buzz of people saying good things about you but then you might click on it and then someone said something negative and then that outweighs the positives that people might be saying so i tend to now not look for the positive not look for positives not look for negatives um just kind of i'll try and say my piece and then i'll maybe leave it at that because i think sometimes you, you can leave you down a slippery slope where you you're then looking for that positive reinforcement all the time um, and if you don't get that then it's well you're thinking in your head all, all sorts of thoughts might come into your head but I tend to just try and keep as level as possible um, and yeah just not like I said if I've had a great game continue as normal if I've had a bad if I've had a bad game that I perceive I've had a bad game try and carry on as, as normal and and um, I tend that that's uh, I tend to find that's served me pretty well does do you see it as a as a team so can you so you've got a psychology degree and have you ever sat in that changing room um and just seen the effect of social media on say some of the especially some of the younger players when they're coming through if they have had a bad game and they've just been ripped to shreds say on social media because let's be honest it happens it's it, it's horrendous do can does it affect the whole team when that one person's down um and don't worry no. this will be heavily edited because <laughs> i just no, do it's it fine. <laughs> it's fine it's fine um i'll be honest i don't think there's like i said i, I tend to find i think you'll find it's more like a lot of younger players will tend to go and look for um for maybe stuff on, on social media in terms of positive reinforcement from from social media but um I don't think it will affect the whole team. I think it might affect that person. Um, and I've had it before where I've, a mate, a mate of mine, obviously a teammate of mine, shall I say, um, has sent something into the group chat saying, oh, this person said this about them. And he's like screenshotted it um, and then sent it in. And he was obviously like quite angry about it. Um, and I think he was the youngest in, in, in this group chat that we had. so. Um, the players that were in there and all our friends that were in this group chat then replied to him and went, Listen, why are you even why are you even looking at this person? And then he ended up going in, he ended up clicking onto this person's profile, looking down, and they'd they'd done the same with not just him, but with three or four other players. And I think, and that's exactly the point we tried to come across to him. It's like, listen, this person obviously gets their kicks or gets some kind of pleasure out of saying negative stuff. Hate briefly. Exactly. I think it's easy. It's easier to, to say something negative than it is to say something positive, isn't it? So and especially um, as a player, like as a fan, <laughs> as a player, I wish. Um, I, I it's very easy to be like, well, why didn't he pass it down there? And I remember having that conversation with some of my friends who were players, and they were like, Because you're looking at it from up here, you're not in it, yeah. you're not feeling it. And also you couldn't run 10 yards and it's like oh no, what are you talking about what do you mean is there wine yeah. at the end <laughs> no oh well then yeah. why would i <laughs> you know like yeah they want to be footballers a lot of these people that are your yeah. biggest critics i think that's what it is and i think sometimes footballers get a bad rep and sometimes don't get me wrong it is it's justified but then i think because like you said a lot of people it is the most much sport in the country isn't it slash in in, in the uk um, and across the world and I think because of that a lot of people do want to become a footballer so when then when you do become you yourself make it as a professional um, a lot you're living a lot of people's dreams so I think they then 
think, oh, you're there to be shot at because they think they could be there doing your job. Exactly. Um, so I think it's, it's, I don't think it's easy because we're not allowed to say, so like if someone says something towards us, we're not allowed to reply in a certain way, but it's all part of our responsibility and, um, and part of, of that learning curve, I suppose, of knowing that, listen, it, this, this is part and parcel of what comes with it. It's not, I don't think it's right, but it's part and parcel of what comes with it. And um, just to kind of try and enjoy it as much as you can without without buying into that negative side. Um, in reply to your earlier question about does it affect your team, your te- the team, I don't think it does because I don't think a lot of, I think it will affect more individuals than it will the team. Um, and I think um, if, if players did come to you and speak to you and say, listen, this person said this, on, I saw this on social media, and I think they'd always have the support of their teammates anyway. Um, and it kind of can breed into that siege mentality. And I've played in teams before where a manager's gone, the fans have been saying this, or I've been hearing they've been saying this. And they, you you can use that as a motivation to go. Because I find it I find it really annoying sometimes because I think if you're known as a fan, then in terms of that, you should be supporting your, 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 um, your team no matter what oh, the circumstances. I have seen some um, real crap down at the vetch field and <laughs> my dad did bring me up with the you stand and you clap your team off the pitch no matter what yeah. because yeah. they've left and, everything on the pitch and don't get me wrong like county fans have been some of the best if not the best that I've experienced with that um and even like I say it was quite hard because even after I left and I've had I've had great support from them oh you're um, very loved <laughs> and and that's that's obviously touching and and um and very good for, uh, in terms of that perspective um but yeah like i said sometimes you get fans that are easy to turn on you just like that um and like i said if you're a fan you should support your team no matter what but then your expectations as a player can't be projected onto the fans because they do pay their money um to watch you and pay your wages in a way i don't think that means they should be able to throw um, abuse at you but uh, maybe that's therapeutic for them so each of their own and, and like I said I think in terms of yourself you just got to focus on what um, is going to get your best performance and if and I think looking at negative stuff and buying into negative negativity doesn't help you in any way so um, just focus on 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 positivity and, and what you can uh, um, can affect. Take a weird turn where I was so this is Colin told me that when you were injured with your knee he got a really vivid memory of you sat in the gym room um, and he thinks he can't really remember that much but he thinks you might have had like been on a roller or something which sounds about right mm-hmm. um, but it must have been a while into your injury and he said that you just looked and he doesn't mean the word he said I'm gonna say sad but I don't mean sad he just looked <sighs> and there's the whole psychology of being injured because it's such a short a short career and people can come through the ranks and there's only so many positions you know there's only 11 places in the start and it's very we've seen it in big clubs as well people being like the golden boy and then just dropping because of injury you you remain the golden boy don't worry um so how how was it when you were injured? This, how does the support and like the psych, how does your brain go? And this isn't like a deep thing, cause you know, just ha- my brain, if I stub my toe goes like over there and I'm, I'm, I need it amputated. Um, how, how were you? Cause was that the biggest injury of your career? Your knee? Well, well I had, so my, 
the worst knee I had, yeah, the worst injury I had was a knee injury, but I was at Fleetwood at the time. Um, the one that Colin probably remembers is probably the longest injury I had at, at County, which is, I think I was out for two and a half weeks, which obviously isn't that long. But um, luckily, I was quite fortunate to not have many injuries while I was at County. Um, but yeah, so longest knee injury I had, I was at Fleetwood, I missed 12 months of football with that. Um, and that was, yeah, that I'll be honest with you, that was really tough. Um, more because it was just being told you're out for us, you're basically not playing for a full season. Um, and I kind of had to not think of myself as a footballer for that for that season. Um, funnily enough, because I was coming out at the time we had one physio, we had well, we had one full time physio and one that was part time. Um, so one came in, the main physio was obviously there all through the week. The second one came in on Tuesday and the Thursday. Um, and while he was in, it was it was fine because I actually had someone there in the gym with me because the first couple of, first, I think month and a half, I was literally only able to do upper body work. So I was on crutches, sat on, I'd be sat down, only able to do upper body work. And I'd be in the gym in the morning from, say, nine o'clock. And the boys would go out to train at 10. Um, and it'd be good. To, I'd, I'd get, I'd want to come in early because... I wanted to be in the in the gym with the boys because I'd been there on my own from nine till maybe say twelve when they come back into training. But if I'd come in at ten, I'd see no one in the gym. I'd just be there on my own. But on those Monday on those Mondays and Fridays, because the main physiotherapy had to go out to watch the boys train in case there was any other injuries, I was kind of left to my own devices, and that was quite tough um, because you're kind of looking out the window watching the boys train but you're just kind of left on your own with a program to, to do. Um, knowing that you've got 12 months of this um, before or nine, 10 months until you're even back out running um, and back out, back out playing. So that, that side of it's quite tough because I think people, and you can easily, like I said, you can easily be forgotten. Um, some managers um, will look at it as, well, you're not fit. So you're kind of no good to me in a way, which is, when I was younger, I'd probably say I, I was quite frustrated by and quite angry about. But um, at the same point of view, I kind of look at I, 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 when I look at the other side of it now. I think, well, if um, a manager's job is quite quite, or a manager's job is is quite um, insecure in terms of if they don't get a couple of results, then they could be out of a job. Yeah. So, How do you, do you feel clubs support players' mental health? So like. It's, it, is there a worry that if you, because there's a there's there's the man there's the man thing, and you're all a bunch of men, um, with obviously the the generalisation of weakness, but do you is there a worry of weakness and then the manager worrying or, and what's the support like in general? Because I know obviously it's quite good at county because you know there's an amazing charity involved there, um, but. <laughs> Only for last season, but <laughs> like, what's how is it in general as a football player at a club? Is there the full person support? You know, we saw recently. This is the most professional you're going to hear me sound. Um, we saw recently about the young academy um, Man City player who left and um, ended up taking his own life because he he didn't know what to do next. You know, and like we said before football can be a really short career and it can be really scary ending with like Fraser his career was yeah. cut short um and 
you know, OBs, they're just too, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not even thinking about, you know, thinking of any real players that came out wrong um of any any other players they're just people off the top of mind from how I you know got got to know you and the club you know I saw Fraser and OB go in in a matter of months and I know that they've been kept in in the in the family so to speak it sounds like the mafia doesn't it Um, (laughs) but with clubs in general you've played for a few and you also have a psychology degree and I would say that from what I know of you, so this this could, that you are outspoken in a good way. You, you know, I, I feel like, and from what Colin has said, that you would be someone that would be like, lads, let's, you know, we're okay, let's let's do this. I know that you um you have one of our wristbands as well. I know that they they gave one of those to you. So it's that whole thing of how is this, is their support should be the first question. And if there isn't, how can it be made better? Um, That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I, I, I know exactly. Yeah. It's um, no. I think there is. I think the support is getting better. I don't think it's. I'd say in past times, like it's obviously been well documented, there hasn't been as much support football. This macho environment. You've got to be the man, and you've got to you know deal with deal with this big it's a big competition to obviously get into to where you get to anyway um so people tend to look at it as you can't be soft to get to that to that level and get to level of professional um and i think there's this big emphasis on obviously you've got to be this strong person no show no weakness um but i do tend to find more and more the years have gone on in my career there's i think there is more support from clubs um and more of an emphasis um and managers are evolving in terms of they will they're more likely to to suggest to to players to maybe go and speak to someone and and um or someone outside the club a psychologist or some someone of that that sort um to kind of have that different option so i do think it is getting better um you touched on the 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 young lad um that was playing for man city and and that's something that hit me massively because i thought it's such a sad thing and um, similarly, I was speaking to some some friends about it, and and we thought that even though there is progress, there is a lot more that can be done. Um, because you think of the statistics show that there's out of, for example, a youth team, um, there might be one player that turns makes professional out of that youth team, and um, it's where do you where do you go from there for for those players? Yeah. Um, because a lot yeah a lot of them is the be be all and end all and putting all their eggs in one basket and it goes back to I can remember being 11 and 12 year, or 12 years old and talking to one of my best friends and um, who's my best friend at, at now actually and I can remember the conversation vividly it was like oh what what do we what are we going to do if we don't make it as a footballer and I can remember my friend saying yeah I don't know, don't know what I'm going to do if I don't make it that's all I'm going to do and this is us as like 11 12 year olds thinking you know that's all we're going to when all we want to do is be the best footballers in the world and it's going to happen it's going to be that easy um is he a footballer like, should be the next question it, well he, he he did he's not no um but the crazy thing about it was um obviously even myself i didn't make it till i was i didn't become professional till i was 21 um, and then by that time i'd thought i'd obviously thought i'm not gonna play professional um, i'm gonna go into psychology and follow the route of my degree um 
and obviously I think maybe because of that kind of mindset it was it's not it's been a little bit easier for me because I didn't come through maybe the academy way where it was all geared up towards oh you're going to be a professional and then you don't make it I came through where oh probably not going to make it and then I've managed to to get there in the end um so like the added bonus yeah it was a bonus of it yeah whereas I think with a lot of players they because they come through and they all they think about is making it when it doesn't happen it's right I've got to focus on something else now um so yeah I think there's got to be a lot more support and maybe a, a different emphasis I think my um something I thought about the other day was maybe something like if when the players do get to age of 16 17 I don't know if they, this is done already because like I said I didn't come through that kind of academy um, um system but getting the players to go out on work experience in something outside of football um, and making that compulsory um, so they can maybe try a couple of different things um, outside of football where that's not their sole focus. Because like I touched on earlier as well, if, if studies have shown that being doing something outside of football may help perform better, then that could be a similar similar thing to them to having that focus outside of football. Um, I mean, they can look at di- different options. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I think there's a lot more that can be done. I think that, the PFA is obviously the, un- the union for the players. And that one thing I found with them, they are quite helpful if, if you reach out and ask for help, but not everyone knows that they're there for help. So um, I think they can do a lot more, not do a lot more. They can maybe, maybe along with the clubs, make sure that young players, especially know that they're available. Um, yeah. Just to em- keep emphasizing that, keep emphasizing that same with the FA and, and just keep emphasizing it. Because like I said, it's, Sometimes there is help out there, but if you're if you're feeling down or you're not feeling yourself, it's hard to reach out for that help. But if it keeps getting reiterated that the help is out there, then I think people are more likely to then reach out for that help. And and um, hopefully, like I said, more people speaking out um, as they have done over the last few years um, will help break those those stigmas and and um, avoid obviously things that happen like with a young lad from uh, Man, Man City. Um, so yeah, I think we are making strides, but I think listen, more can always be done. Um, and let's hope there's there's no more occurrences like that um, in the future. Yeah, I uh, it it hit home a little bit because um to share some of uh, my story, my best friend Jonathan, we living in Cardiff and being Swansea fans is rough. Just to put it out there, um, <laughs> and but I had the the little safety net of being a girl. <laughs> you know like yeah. I was less likely I got a verbal but trust me I could give that back um yeah. but I was less likely to get the the physical and my my best friend Jonathan was a semi-pro football player for Swansea he, he was this he was the annoying kid the one that was really <laughs> clever the one that was really sporty the one okay so I am all older than you so Tim Hemmen was classed as hot when I was younger okay <laughs> that's the age one so he looked a little bit like Tim Hemman. So like some of the girls were like, mm, was I was like, it's Jonathan. I've known him since we were three. Um, John found out, um, in near as damn it, exactly what Fraser's got, um, found out at the age of 18. And he, his mental health just, just uh, dropped and he took his own life like about six months after being told he couldn't play sport. And he was like this annoying, clever kid. So he'd already got into Cardiff Med School and he was at Cardiff Med School at the time and stuff. So when 
when football, the opportunity of working with football came yeah. about, not only because I kind of love the well I love the game and when Gavin says do you want to come and have some tickets I'm like I'll be there in a shot um it's it's really important for me that players in particular because everyone expects so my my personal story is I had Perry so during and after uh, mental health issues and so everyone assumes that everything I do is going to be with with chicks basically uh and with pregnant ladies and yeah I do I do that and I work with midwives and unis but a lot of it it will always stem back to that and especially being the mother of a boy yeah yes he's a very emotive boy he's a theater school child he plays football on saturday and does theater school on sunday and he got told once that boys don't cry and he looked at his teacher and said yes we do watch me and burst into tears <laughs> oh brilliant because he's a dick <laughs> um, but it's I'm, I feel really lucky to have the opportunity to work and to talk with people like you. Um, and the fact that footballers are speaking out is so huge because to so many people, you are heroes and you're also invincible to a lot of people. They, they see you as these, well, as, as like the Avengers, basically, you know, this this won't touch them when and when people get injured it, it humanizes them and that but people don't necessarily see the brain injury and and I don't necessarily mean like concussion I mean mental oh, yeah, health yeah. stuff and it's it's that whole thing of it is rife in football and people believe it's only a few people you know like Clark Carlisle and you know, they get they get highlighted and sometimes people forget that there's a lot of people who are holding stuff back. I mean, Fraser on the pitch, I didn't know that he, A, I didn't know he was married to someone from S Club Junior and that has made my husband's life. Um, when I found that out on Wednesday, Henry was like, which one? <laughs> and he was on Google quicker than you've ever seen in your life. Um so as a Swansea fan, we knew John Joe Shelby's partner, who was also in S Club Juniors. So he was oh, like, right, well, I know it's not that one, and I know it's not Frankie, because otherwise I would have been there in a week. And like he was <laughs> he was on it in seconds. You've never seen somebody move so quick. Um, but off the pitch, he's very outspoken now, and he is writing really powerful pieces, which obviously I didn't know as a football fan, he had in him, so to speak. Like yeah. I've always known that you're eloquent. That sounds makes probably makes you <laughs> we're very eloquent around here. Um, I always knew that you could hold your own. Do you know what I mean? In a conversation yeah. that, you know, and there's there's some that are more quiet. And he would have very much been in the more quiet section. And and he helped seem to hold quite a lot in. And I'm loving what he's doing. I wish he had felt like he could have spoken a little bit more when he was out there, but he's not that type of person. So yeah. the stuff he's doing now is huge. And the stuff Kevin Nellis is doing, I am just naming county players, aren't I? <laughs> I, need, I need to get out more. Um, I've been surrounded in, in a, like a county bubble during lockdown, getting everything sorted for the next few months with Colin. And we're both just like, Amber, everything's orange. Um, <laughs> everything is orange. <laughs> it's, this bedroom wall's orange. You can't see that at the moment, but that's a whole other issue. I'm just surrounded by orange and green. 
<laughs> but it's there's not people forget that you you guys are human and it's so flipping unfair because you get you get abuse when you're on the pitch you can get abuse off the pitch at least before you could only get abuse in the newspapers or face to face you know now you can get it whilst you're sleeping you get abused for everything be it the color of your skin be it your sexual orientation be it your um whether you fell over on the pitch whether you missed a penalty you know people see that as the be all and end all and you just I get I get really worried about all of you this is why I'm not allowed down the tunnel you know because I'm just want to mother <laughs> everyone you know that it must have a big toll but you seem you've got this great mindset where you're like well I can only control me and you kind of shut the door and you're not jammer any oh you are jammer but you know you, you shut the door and your dad does that make sense but I kind of listen. I like I, I said just before, I don't. I, I'm like I just want to look at you. Are you okay? Do you do I'm you fine. need food packages? Listen, I'm, fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Like I said, I think sometimes people do look at us as footballers all the time, and I have this conversation sometimes with friends. I'm like, I honestly sometimes just don't want to talk about football. I don't want to speak about football because. And no, don't want anyone to feel sorry for, for us or we because we're just humans. We're just humans, and um, obviously we play football is our job, and that's well, it's a profession, um, which is something obviously we enjoy doing. But first and foremost, we're just a human, like you said. And I think if everyone lived their life in terms of just being sympathetic and empathetic to each other, and just think before they set in terms of that's the biggest thing, biggest word I, I think when I think about life is empathy because if, if you think before of how you saying something would make someone feel you probably wouldn't do it um and if you did still do it then you're probably not a very nice person <laughs> but, um yeah I think that's the biggest thing so when people say oh we do get this abuse and whatever it's I said like just just think sometimes before when people are gonna say something nasty or just think how that would make someone feel and and that's not just within in terms of towards a football that's just towards in everyday life mm-hmm. um and i think if we all lived our life in that kind of way or fought in that way then um probably wouldn't be as much much nasty, nasty stuff going around really or nasty words being being spread so um yeah it's it's um well, i don't know what to say really but yeah is that the one thing that if you could change for your son growing up that you would change that people would just be bloody kind <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely think so. You, you, I wanted you, to say way worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. But um, now nah, you, you you chose some nice words and a nice way of saying it. But um, I think that's the biggest thing we worry about, isn't it? Is they're not always going to be in your sight. Your kids are not always going to be there to to be able to protect them. And um, and the days maybe where you, you might have had it yourself, where they've come home and they said, "Oh, this person said something nasty to me." Um, oh yeah, apparently I'm not allowed to punch a, a seven-year-old boy in the face. <laughs> But well, to make my daughter cry or break your legs. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, as parents, we've we've all probably had that feeling where someone's hurt our kid and we've gone, oh, I just want to pat that kid because because they shouldn't be hitting my they shouldn't be hitting my child. But um, like I say, we're not always going to be there to protect them. Um, so it's that kind of feeling of hoping that when they go out, nothing's going to be able to hurt them in that way. But then I think it's 
obviously it's part of also part of our job to kind of prepare them for that bad, bad as it is and as sad as it is um we're gonna have to prepare them for going out there and saying listen not everyone's gonna be your friend not everyone's gonna be saying nice things to you um and i do think um we have to it's a fine line isn't it because you want your child to be able you want your child to go out there and experience the world um you don't want them to experience bad things but then at the same time I think the way I am and the experiences I've gone through have made me resilient. So I think sometimes they, they are, if they're going to experience this kind of things, you do want them to experience bits of it, but then to be able to have context with it so then they can build their resilience. Um, yeah, they can still talk about it with you and they can process yes. it. And it's when they can't process it. And even that as us as adults, if we can't process it and we hold on to it, mm-hmm. I mean, you summed up perfectly where you could have a thousand messages saying, oh my God, you were amazing on Saturday. Yeah. And then there's one that's just like, you wish it. And which one are you yeah. going to focus on? Yeah. Yeah. But just know that I mean, they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> on the way, I was listening to a lot, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. And um, then if you've come across the high performance podcast by Jay Humphrey and the kind the other guy's name. No, but I'm going to listen to that. I like Jay Humphrey. Yeah, so he's got a performance um, podcast also called the High Performance Podcast. And today I was listening to listen to the episode with um, Eddie Hearn. Um, he obviously has become a meme, wasn't he, mainly on, on Twitter now um, because of his No Context Hearn account that's been out there. Um, but he was talk- they were talking about the negativity and he was saying obviously how nasty Twitter especially can be um, with social media. So they were talking about this same kind of stuff. And um, the same thing with Jay Comfrey. He was saying like he received a lot of um, he will receive a lot of criticism and, and stuff when he's been presenting football, saying, "Oh, people saying oh, he doesn't know anything about football," and and he said it used to affect him to the point where it affect the questions he'd ask because he'd think if he asked a certain question in the interview, our fans would then attack him on Twitter afterwards. Wow. And, and similar, he said he got to the point where now he's got that he's built that resilience up where he's like, right, he's got a kind of group around him that of people that he considers um or really considers their their um, opinion valid and so if he's unsure about something he'll speak to them and anybody else is kind of out can't on can't really touch him and they're outside his bubble i think that's the kind of mm-hmm. it's a great it's a great reinforcement to, to what i'm saying is you can't you're not going to be able to affect everyone's opinion um so i think if you listen to everyone's opinion then you just go you would go excuse well crazy in a way wouldn't you because you're like you're listening to so many different voices mm-hmm. so you just gotta like take take those in that you value and people that you know will give you a genuine response and a genuine um valuable answer to, to any questions you may have um and kind of put blinkers onto everything else um because as you know as well when when you're doing well and things are going well for you everyone wants to be your friend but then you yeah. flip side if things aren't going well then those people are nowhere to be seen so um, the ones that are going to be there in probably your good times and your bad times are the ones you got to stick around and, and people you got to value most. It's true. Oh, thank you so much, lovely. You're an absolute yeah, star. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you want to follow Jammer on social media, go to at J4MMAA on Twitter. And for us, go to our website, www.mydiscombobulatedbrain.com. And go to the contact page and send us any questions that you've got. Thanks for listening.